If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 28. We have, have uh, spent a lot of time in Matthew 28, and we will for a, a few more weeks as, as kind of our, our major uh, verse there uh, that we're looking at. And uh, we have been, been talking about, it's a, a series called Be the Church. We've been talking about what it means to be part of a church. We have, have looked at a, a couple of definitions, a couple of, of terms that we've looked at, and one is the word church. We said that uh, a church is not the building, but the church is the people that meet inside of the building. And the word church in the New Testament is translated from the Greek word ekklesia, which just means an assembly or a gathering of people. So when we talk about a, a Christian church, it is a church, it, it is a group of Christians gathering together. So Spring River Assembly of God is not this building, but it is the group of people that meet in this building. And because it's the group of people that meet in this building, that means that Spring River Assembly of God can meet not just in this building, but can meet outside of this building. You're still Spring River Assembly of God. And so that is the church. It's the group of people and that we have been called as the body of Christ to a mission. It is in Matthew 28, it is the last words that Jesus gives to his, his church, to the apostles, to the, the, the disciples, and he gives them this mission or commission in verse 19. It's the last two verses of the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus says, Therefore go that, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we have been looking at you know, the mission of the church, and the mission of the church, the overall mission of the church, that as the body of Christ that we're supposed to be doing is making disciples. Okay, And everything, all of the, the things, the activities that the body does should help make that happen. It should help to make disciples. And so we've, we've looked at, and we've kind of narrowed it down to four words, connect, grow, serve, and go, if you will. And on the back of your bulletin, there's a, a little graphic on there that kind of pictures that. And so the first two weeks, we looked at the connect part, which is connect with God and connecting with others. And that's, that's the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So to be a growing disciple of Jesus, we need to connect with God and to connect with others. And that all kind of feeds in then to what I want to talk about today. Because a lot of Christians are okay with that part of it and kind of stop right there. Connecting with God, connecting with others. They're okay with maybe coming to church every once in a while and, and worshiping. They're okay with uh, occasionally uh, outside of church or outside of gathering on a Sunday. They're okay with, with praying a, a few words here and there. They're okay with doing that. And a lot of believers stop right there. And at that point, they have just enough Jesus in their lives to be saved, but not enough that it actually affects their daily lives. So we have to go a step further. And that step further is growth. Grow. Connect. Grow. That God's desire is for you, if you're a believer of Jesus, to grow in your faith. 
to not stay the same. To not stay where you were when you accepted Christ the first time. That he desires until you take your last breath on this earth that you grow in your faith. Don't stop. And so that's what we're talking about today is growing. And growing requires learning and doing. Learning and doing. Now, when you go back to school, how many, I'm not going to ask you if you remember school, okay? You obviously over here, you're very, you, you remember school because you're in it. For many of us, and like I am getting, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but this next year, I will celebrate my, is celebrate really the word? memorialize, commemorate my 30th year of being out of high school. 30, wow, yeah, I know. I know, wow, I'm old. 30 years. I remember being in your shoes. I remember going, going, wow, those people are old. 30 years. I mean, I remember my parents, you know, going to their 30th class reunion. I went, man, they're old. And now that's me. 30 years. It's been, but I remember back in school, I mean, I, remember, I had some, some subjects that I liked. I liked science. I liked math. That was interesting. I, I liked science. And one of the things that I liked about science, I especially liked biology. I, geology, I mean, you know, the, that stuff, not so much, but like, like biology, like especially the human body, human anatomy. I mean, uh, learning about muscles and bones and, and all of those things. I love that. And, I, and, and even like uh, animals, you know. I remember, I remember like in seventh grade, I remember we were learning about the anatomy of frogs. And, uh, you know, learning about the different body parts, the different organs and things inside. And, and I thought that was all neat and everything. But then we finally got to the time where we got to dissect frogs. Yeah. And we got to, you know, lay them down on the little tray that had like wax inside of there. And, you know, you cut them open and you peel back and you pin the thing. Yeah, I know. You're like, stop. It's almost lunchtime. But I remember doing that and being able to, to open it up and see the organs, see the things that we had been talking about. And it was like in that moment, it was like all of the things that we had learned came to life. Because now it wasn't just something that I read about in a book, but now I'm actually looking and actually touching the things that I read about, and so it just came to life. One of the other subjects that I loved was math. And I know some of you are, how many of you liked math? How many of you like? yes, you are my people. That's my people. How many of you hated math? It's okay. That's normal. There's a lot of people that don't like math. I liked math. It made sense to me, although geometry, not so much. I never could figure out why, if parallel lines were parallel, why I had to prove that. I just don't, couldn't understand proofs. But algebra, that, I, I was, yeah, I can understand that. And so I like going through all those formulas and everything. But you know what I've learned after our kids were in school? And Lori, she liked math as well. We were, we were kind of math nerds in school. And when the girls would come home and say, Mom, Dad, can you, can you help us on this algebra? And I'm going, I loved algebra. This is great. And I open it up and I look at it and I go, I don't remember this. I remember doing it. 
I don't remember how to do it. Why do I not, why do I not remember how to do it? I haven't had to use a quadratic formula or quadratic equation since high school. I haven't had to do any of that stuff. And so, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so that information, which, which was really neat to, to listen to and, and to, to learn in school, I haven't used it for 20-plus years. And so because I haven't used it, it goes away. But I have used the Pythagorean theorem. theorem. Anybody remember that? Just the name. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's where you can learn the, the, the sides of a right triangle, you know, you... You can learn the, the hypotenuse, the long side of the triangle of a right triangle. So I remember that because, you know, I've, I don't do a lot of woodworking, but, but I've done some, and so that's, that was helpful. I can remember that because I've used it. And so learning requires learning and then putting it into practice, using it. Now, Jesus, when Jesus assembled his disciples, when Jesus taught his disciples, and, and remember, when he gathers his disciples, he is gathering, I mean, in his mind, what he's envisioning, he is going to be teaching them and training them for about three years, and then he knows that at the end of that, he is going to be going to the cross and then going back to heaven, and then he's going to be turning the reins over to, to them to then lead the world, to lead the church in this world. And so for three years, he is giving them some intense learning. During that time, they, are, they get to sit front row seat and watch Jesus. They get to listen to Jesus' teaching. They, get to, they were there at the Sermon on the Mount and, and got to listen to Jesus teach the Sermon on the Mount. They got to, to, to listen to the... The, the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus, in Matthew 24 and 25, when Jesus is teaching about end times events there on the Mount of Olives, they're, they're listening to all of those things. But not only did they listen to Jesus' teaching, but Jesus then allowed them, he showed them, they got to watch Jesus minister, and then later on, before Jesus went to the cross, he sent them out, two by two, right? He sent them out to do ministry. He, and, and they came back, and then he would meet with them and, and, you know, and, and would teach them. He, he gave them opportunities to take what they had learned and put it into practice because, again, he knew that he was going to be leaving. And so when he left, what kind of a church, what kind of an organization, what kind of a group was he going to leave to be able to take the gospel to all the world when he left? And so they sat there and they learned. They listened, they learned, but then they took it and they did it. They put it into practice. Then when Jesus gets to the end, to the, what we read just a minute ago, the Great Commission, as Jesus has gone to the cross, he's been resurrected, he's been with the, the disciples for, uh, for 40 days, and, and now he's getting ready to go back to heaven, and he gives them this Great Commission. And one of the things that he says, he says, go to make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, he's basically saying, hey guys, what I want you to do is, I want you to do what you have been doing with me for these three years. I want you to go do that to other people. I want you to teach other people the gospel. And he gives them this mandate. One of the things he says, he says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. There are two things in that that are very important. The first is, he says, teach them all that I have commanded you. Teach them the commands. In order for them to be able to do the commands, they have to know what the commands are. In order for them to be able to do what God has instructed them to do, they have to know what God has instructed them to do. Because how many of you know that it's hard to be account held accountable for something that you've never been taught, 
right? And so he says to go, and he says to teach them the commands. The only way for you to know anything is to be taught and for you then to learn. Someone has to teach you, and then your side of it is to take it in, to learn. And that's what the disciples did. The disciples that were there with Jesus, Jesus was teaching them, and they learned. They learned during that time. So Jesus says, teach them the commands. Secondly, he says, teach them to obey the commands. Teach them to obey the commands. That's the obeying, that's the putting into practice, that's the doing part of it. You see, God doesn't just want you to know a lot of God's Word. Does God want you to know His Word? Yes, He does. But God doesn't just want you to know it. I mean, there are a lot of things, if you ever watch Jeopardy, there are some people on there that know stuff that, that nobody should know, right? They know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. But God doesn't just want you to have knowledge just for the time that maybe you're going to be on Bible Jeopardy. And you can, you can list off, you know, how many curtain rings are on the curtain in the temple. But God wants you to learn his word so that you can do it. And when you put it into practice, that you produce fruit in your life. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us just to have knowledge. We have to have knowledge, yes. But he wants us to take that knowledge and then put it into practice in our lives. He wants us to learn it, but he wants us to do it. Teach them to obey the commands. You see, we're not supposed to stop growing in our faith, but we're to continue growing for the rest of our lives. Now, many of you in this room are parents, or you have been around kids. Now, just briefly, I mean, you, you, you have seen this, but, you know, um, mom gives birth to baby, baby comes out, baby is helpless, right? Baby can't feed themselves, baby can't change themselves, baby makes a lot of messes, baby dirties a lot of diapers, baby has to be held, baby has to be protected from things. But baby does not stay baby. Baby continues to grow. As the baby continues to grow, you know, the, the baby is drink, is base, start, starts out on milk, and then eventually they are able to switch over to some soft foods. Baby still needs to be dressed. Baby still can't do that. Baby still has diapers that still, still need to be changed. At some point, baby begins to roll over, Baby begins to push up. Baby begins to stand up and pull themselves up. Baby begins to take little toddle steps. Baby begins to stand on their own. Baby begins to take steps. Baby begins to get that toddler walk. Baby continues to grow. Baby begins to eat Cheerios, begins to throw Cheerios on the floor and play the game to see if mom and dad is going to pick up the Cheerios. And they keep throwing, ah, it's great. Baby continues to eat. I mean, you just you keep going through the progression. The baby just continues to grow, becomes a toddler, begins potty train, goes through, it, able to, you know, moves to a bigger bed, out of a crib, into a bigger bed, begins to, at some point, hopefully begins to put their own clothes on. 
begins to learn how to button, begins to, I mean, goes through all the progression of things, gets through, you know, goes to school, uh, learns some responsibility, homework, and, and, and continues on until they get to adulthood. Maybe they go to college, maybe they move out, they, they, they move out on their own, they, they get a job, and, and they, they then begin to get out and begin to pay bills, hopefully, right? pay their own bills, and, and they begin to not just depend on mom and dad for food, but then they themselves realize, okay, they, they go buy food. And so all of us in this room at one point were babies. We needed somebody to care for us. We, were, we needed somebody to feed us, clothe us, all of those things until we progressed, until we got to the point where we were able to do those things for ourselves and then many of us have children, and the cycle continues. But even after, even after we become adults, we continue to grow. Your body is continuing to grow. Your body continually, every day, continues to make brand new cells in your body. Your body continues to grow. Your ears continue to grow your entire life. You may not get taller, but your ears will get bigger. Your body continues to grow the rest of your life. It, could, it never stops. It continues to grow. You never stop. You say, why are we talking about all of this? It's because this, that just as you physically never continue, I mean, that you never stop growing, that spiritually we are never to stop growing. We are never to stop growing. Now, we hope, it is our hope as parents, that one day our children grow up and they're able to take care of themselves, right? And all the parents said, amen, preach. They love you, but one day they want you to leave home. They won't tell you that. I'm telling you that. They love you. You can come back and visit. But it's our desire that when you grow up that you're able to take care of yourselves so that you become adults, so that one day you become parents and you get to, the cycle continues. But we continue, we continue growing. We continue growing. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I want to look at, at two, two places real quickly. Uh, if you've got your Bible, if you want to turn there, if you've got the Version app, um, these are listed on there too. But I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4. 1 Peter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4. Because just as earthly parents, we desire that our children grow and mature and become, um, become adults who you know, are beneficial to society and, and become good adults. And we want them to, to mature and, and do that. That God, our Father in heaven, wants us to grow to be productive Christians and to continue to grow. You see, when we come to faith in Christ, Jesus said that we were born again, Right? that when you come to faith in Christ, even though you might be 
you know, in your 30s, when you come to faith in Christ, spiritually, you are born again. You are a babe in Christ. You are a baby. You are an infant in Christ. But God does not desire that we stay a baby, but continue to grow in our faith. First Peter chapter 2, the first three verses, Peter says this, and this is right after where Peter has been talking about holiness, and, and uh, you know, he, he quotes the, the, the scripture that says, you know, be holy for I am holy, and he's, he's talked about holiness and living a holy life. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up. Everybody say, grow up. That you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up in your salvation. He's saying, don't be babies anymore. When you come to faith in Christ, don't be a baby Christian. Don't stay there. We all start there. We all do. Pastors, evangelists, I mean, we, everybody. We start out as spiritual babies. But Peter says, don't, don't, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Keep growing. Grow up in your salvation now that you've had a taste of the Lord, that you have seen that the Lord is good. Now it's time to grow up in your salvation. And then in Ephesians chapter 4 we see the passage where Paul gives us what, uh, what a lot of people refer to as the five-fold ministry gifts to the church and the purposes, the purpose for those gifts. Starting in verse 11, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, Paul says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says there are five gifts that the Lord has given to the church. He says prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He says God has given these five ministry gifts to the church. For what? For what purpose? He said, in order so that the church may be built up. To equip the church to be ministers, is what he says. To prepare God's people for works of service. He said, and I'll talk more about that next week, but, the, but he said, these five ministry gifts to the church, the purpose is to equip the church to serve. Equip the church to serve, to do the work of the ministry. Why? So that, he continues on, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness 
of Christ. And again, Paul mentions there, he says, uh, then we will no longer be infants. Then we'll no longer be spiritual babies. But he says, no, he says, we will grow up. We will mature in our faith. We will grow up, not physically, but we will grow up spiritually in our faith. Both Peter and Paul both stress that believers, that if you're a believer in the room, that he stresses that we are to continue growing in our faith. Now, for some of you, what does that mean? For some of you, that means you just need to keep on doing what you've been doing. Some of you are, are continuing and you are growing regularly. So, some of you, you, know, you would say, yep, I am, I am, uh, I've grown in my faith. You know, I'm closer to the Lord now. I know more of God's Word. I'm, I'm doing more of it now than I was when I first came to faith in Christ. And so you're on a, you're on a good path. You're, you're, you're going the right direction. For others of you, maybe it's a, it, you're at a place in your spiritual walk where it is, it's time to put away the bottle. It's time to put away the, 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 the bottle of milk. And it's, it's time to, to move forward. It's time to, to, to move on to some spiritual meat. Um, it might be time for you to begin. You know, one of the things that, that we do as uh, you know, when you're, you're raising a child, is you, you hope that, that at, at eventually that they are able to use the fork and the spoon and to, to feed themselves. That you don't have to hold the bottle, you don't have to, to nurse anymore at a certain point. And at a certain point, spiritually, you know, when we start, we all start out as babies and we're all like drinking the milk, but at a certain point, that as believers, that we have to get to the place where we begin to pick up the, the fork and we begin to feed ourselves. That, that we, begin to, we begin to take the Word of God and we begin, to, we begin to, to read it and digest it ourselves. That we begin to, to take the initiative and we begin to do that as well, just as we do that in the natural so for maybe for some of you in this room, that's the next step that you need to do is to begin, begin getting God's Word and, and feeding yourself. For others, maybe it's, a, it's time for you to take what you have learned and you start doing it. You start doing it. You may have a lot of Bible memorized, and as I said a minute ago, God wants you to know His Word. If, you, if you're going to do it, you have to know it, but... You get to a certain point, now it's time to take what you have learned, and now it's time to, to do it. It's, it's, it's fine to know that you're not supposed to lie, but it's, at some point you've got to realize it's time to stop lying. At, at a certain point, it's good for you to know I shouldn't be gossiping, but at a certain point you've got to stop talking to people about stuff. At a certain point, you have to understand that, okay, uh, that, that as, a, as, a, as a husband, it says that I'm to love my wife as, a, as the church, who, and that he would give himself for her. And at a certain point, husbands, we have to not just say, oh, that's a good verse, but we have to actually do it. At a certain point, you know, we, wives can understand that the word says that they're to respect their husbands, but it's good to know it. But at a certain point, you have to take that and, like, do it. We go all through the scripture, whatever it is, at a certain point, we have to take the knowledge that we have and we have to actually put it into practice. We have to actually do it. We have to actually live it. When you read through Paul's, Paul's writings, Ephesians and Colossians especially, 
you read through that so many times that Paul talks about living a life worthy of the calling. And essentially what he's saying is, is that living a life worthy of what, what God has done for us, the forgiveness that he's offered to us, living a life. If you read through Ephesians, the first three chapters of, of Ephesians, Paul talks about the salvation. He talks about all that Christ has done for us. The last, four cha- the last three chapters of Ephesians, he spends talking about putting it into practice and doing it. And so at a certain point, we have to actually, actually do it. So real quickly, what are some ways that we can keep growing? What are some ways that we could keep growing? I could probably just ask you to answer. You could probably, you could probably tell me these. But how do you grow as a human? What are things that you do to, to be healthy physically? You feed yourself, right? You, you, eat, you make sure that you're eating healthy food. You know, you can eat pork rinds, and you can drink bacon fat, and, um, I mean, you can do that for a while, but your body will eventually <laughs> will reflect that. And so to be healthy, we, we know we have to eat healthy. We have to eat, eat nourishment on the, the right things, plenty of liquids. Uh, we know that we need, we need plenty of movement and exercise. We, we, we need to make sure that we're up walking around. It may not be going to the gym, but just you know, getting, making sure we're moving enough each day. That we keep learning new things. That even as we, as we get older, even as we age, until the day we take our last breath on this earth, that we keep learning new things. We keep learning, and it keeps our minds sharp, that we keep making good choices based upon the things that we already know, that we've learned, right? That we don't, we don't keep making the same mistakes, but we learn and we make better choices, that we stay connected with others and build relationships, because like we looked at last week, that it, God said it's not good for man to be alone but that we need to have healthy relationships around us. So, so we know those things, and we keep you know, working at doing those things, then physically, emotionally, mentally, that, that that's going to help us to become healthy. So how do, we grow, how do we grow spiritually? few things. Read the Bible regularly. You're like, oh, pastor, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to say that. This book, the Bible says, is God-breathed. The Apostle Paul, in I think it's 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. Theonostos. God-breathed. They're not just, it's not just ink on a dead page, but it is the words in here have life that God has given to it. The word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is powerful. In the Ephesians 6, on Wednesday night in youth, we talked about this, that in the armor of God, the full armor of God, Paul said to put on the full armor of God. And the only part of the weapon, the only part of the armor that he said was a weapon was the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is powerful. It's the only weapon that we have. It's the weapon that in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, every single time Jesus said, it is written. It is powerful. The Word of God is the only thing. It says, the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will endure forever. It's powerful. And His Word that He has left to us, that He has given to us, is is 
how we can grow in our faith. How do we know what God, how do we know what God expects of us? It's in the Word of God. How do we know what God wants from us? How do we know what He wants us to do and what He doesn't want us to do? It's in His Word. How do we, in God's Word, we, we have example after example of men and women who did the right things and did the wrong things, right? We see men and women in Scripture who obeyed God and God blessed them. We see people that disobeyed God and they face the consequences of that as well. We see people, we see stories of people living out the principles of, of God's Word in the Word. And when we read this, how do we grow in our faith? We, it, it helps us grow. It helps us grow. It gives us a weapon to fight temptation, to fight against the temptation of the enemy. It gives us examples of, of what to do and what not to do. It helps us to, to understand who God is. It helps us to understand what God's character is like. It helps us to understand what's going to happen in the future. It helps show us what's happened in the past. All of those things, as we read into it, and if it is God-breathed, it is as if God is speaking directly to us, that's how we grow in our faith, as we grow in His Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, is what Paul said. So getting into God's Word, you may be like, I don't, I'm not a reader. I'm not a reader. There's not enough pictures in here. You know what? It's not how much you read. It's that you read. It's not, well, I read 10 chapters of the Bible today. Well, that's great. How much of it do you remember? It's, you know, you, you don't do the same thing when you eat, right? You don't say, well, I went to Chinese buffet and I had 10 plates of food today. <laughs> Nobody's going, man, I wish I could do that. Nobody's doing that. You say, well, what do you remember eating? I don't know, but there was a lot of it. <laughs> I had to go down a few belt loops. No, it's, it's not about how much, but it's... Do you remember what you read? It, for you, it might be a couple of chapters a day. For others of you, it might be a couple of verses today. You might pull out Proverbs and say, you know, there are 31 chapters of Proverbs. You could read one chapter each day of the month. Or maybe it's like, I'm, gonna read one, I'm just going to read one chapter. I'm going to read a psalm a day. Or it might be, you know what, I'm, I'm going to read a couple of verses, but I'm going I'm to read and I'm just going to really meditate on those couple of verses and I'm going to just really focus on that and just really dig into it and, and, and just read it you know, several times and just what is God really speaking to me in those, those couple of verses. Or you know what? If you've got the YouVersion Bible app, it will read to you. It'll read to you. You can put that on as you're driving to work and you can say, okay, I'm going to you know, put on you know, Proverbs chapter 2 and, and let it read to you. Remember, Paul said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the important thing is to get into God's Word and to get it into you so that you can know what God expects. Another way of growing in your faith, what you're doing right here, gathering together regularly with the body of Christ. We talked about that last, some of that last week about connecting with others. But it is so important for us to gather as the body of Christ. When we get together, you know, we are, are growing as you're, as you're listening to to, to the Word of God, or you are reading it, and, and, and or, uh, or uh, as you're worshiping, I mean, you are growing in your faith, and you're praying, and you're, you're doing all of those things as you gather together regularly, helps you to grow 
in your faith. Thirdly, uh, attending Sunday school or Wednesday night Bible study or some type of Bible study where you, you can come together and you can grow and, and you can, in those, uh, in those types of settings, you can dig deeper into some things. You can ask questions. You can listen to the collective wisdom of others around you. It's a great way for you to, to help learn God's Word. Um, memorizing Scripture. Memorizing Scripture. Getting God's Word into you. Memorizing. So you're like, I'm just not very good at memorizing. Try. Now, not like you have to memorize an entire chapter. I'm going to memorize all of it. 100 and Psalm 119. All 150 verses of it. But can you memorize one, one verse? Maybe there's something that, that you know, that is, it, it, you're facing and you're in a situation and, and you're facing a temptation or you're facing, you know, a, 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 a tough situation in your life and you find a verse that, man, that verse really speaks to you and you memorize it. And so then when you get up in the morning and you're getting ready to face that thing, you, you quote that scripture. You speak it out loud even. And you recite that, that word. And what happens is as you memorize it and you recite it, it, it kind of gets into your spirit. So it's not just ink on a dead page, but it is living word. It's into your spirit. It's, it's that sword that you can use. And David said in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. In other words, I have memorized your word. I have gotten it into my heart and into my spirit. So memorizing scripture, pray regularly, pray regularly, spending time with God, talking to him, listening to him. I mean, the more time that you spend with somebody, the more you get to know them, the closer your relationship grows. Same as with God, the more time we spend with him, the closer we get to him, the more that we get to know his heart, the more that we get closer to him, our faith grows. And lastly, Nike said it best, just do it. Just do it. If you've been in church any length of time, you probably know probably more of this than you think you know. Now, until we take our last breath, there is, I mean, we've got to keep learning this because the Word of God, it's like the onion, you know. There's so many different layers that you can keep peeling back for the rest of your life. That we should never stop reading this. But I also know that there are things that we already know in this that we probably just don't do. We know that we ought to do them. But for whatever reason, we don't do them. So, after we've done all the other things, we've read the Word, we've got God's Word into us, we've got into God's Word, we're, we're praying, we're gathering together regularly, and we're, we're doing all of those things which we should do, then at a certain point, at some point, we have to take all that we know and then begin doing it. Outside of the walls of this building. That on Monday morning, when you go to work, that today after you leave here and, and you go to, to lunch and you get ready to eat your 10 plates of Chinese food that when you go to the store at some point this week that when you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off 
that all of the, the things that you go about your life, when you are at school this week and somebody says something and you just want to rip their head off. I mean, at some point in our lives this week, we have to do it. We have to do it. And it's like, you can't do it for me, and I can't live it for you. Each of us has to take what we know, and we have to do it. And the things that I said just a second ago, that I listed, all of those things at a certain point, as we grow in our faith, we have responsibility to do those things. Reading God's word, at a certain point, we have to take responsibility to do it. We have to take responsibility to do it. As an adult, I can't say, you know, we can't sit down for dinner and, and Lori sits down the plate in front of me. I'm starving. She's got the, the knife, the fork, and the spoon. I mean, everything's sitting there and this dinner is sitting there on the, on the plate. She sits it down there. And I can't go, man, I am so hungry. Now, I wish somebody, I wish somebody would feed me. I'm just, I mean, this looks so good, but what would she do if I said, would you feed me? <laughs> she would go, just pick up your fork and eat. What, what do you mean? It's, it's right there. You, it, it's sitting right there in front of you, just... Just pick up the thing and, and eat. And as believers, so many times we go, man, I'm just dry spiritually. Man, I don't know why I'm so hungry. I don't know why I'm so spiritually thirsty. Man, I wish that, I wish there was something that could help me. I wish somebody could I wish somebody could feed me. What if God's looking at us going, Hello? Look, it's right here. I've given you the meal. When you were a baby, when you were a baby, you needed somebody to, to feed you. You needed somebody to, to do that. But look, you've grown up now. You've grown up in your faith, Christian, and now it's time for you to begin picking up the fork and begin getting into it yourself. It's, it's time for you, Christian, in this room, it's time for you to pick up the fork and to, to eat of the words yourself, to begin doing it yourself. You're like, I don't, I don't understand all of it. I don't understand. That's all right. You know, when you first started eating, you started on Cheerios. You didn't go for the T-bone steak. You started on Cheerios, but you couldn't get to the T-bone if you didn't start on the Cheerios. And so you're like, man, I don't understand all of this. You take little bites and you start small. And what happens over time is you begin to grow 
and layer upon layer upon layer in that practice of reading and getting into his word, you grow in your faith. The more that you spend time together in the body of Christ, the more time that you spend those little snippets of time spending in prayer, the more time that you spend those snippets of memorizing a verse here and memorizing a verse there and doing all those things, you will grow in your faith. You mature. You will grow up in your faith. And that's what God desires is for us to grow in our faith. Not so that we can impress people with how, many, how much stuff we know, but so that our lives can reflect Christ to the world around us. And that's what the world is looking for. They're not looking for people that have a bunch of knowledge. They're looking for people who actually live out what they believe. That's what they're looking for. They've heard enough sermons. They're looking for people that actually live out the faith. When we leave here today, are we going to be perfect? No. But I challenge you, I challenge me, I challenge us today and going forward, keep growing, Christian. Keep growing. Five years from now, don't be where you are then, where you are today. Be five years older than you are today spiritually. Keep growing until you take your last breath. Keep growing. Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for not only dying on the cross and offering us forgiveness of sins, but, Lord, that you... You don't want us just to stay where we were, but Lord, that you desire us to grow, to grow spiritually, to grow to become more like you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Help us to keep growing, Lord. Lord, help us to become more like you. Lord, help us to... Help us to live out what you have called us to be. Now, Lord, we know that we're not perfect. But, Lord, we also know that you desire us to grow closer to you, to become more like you each day. That your Holy Spirit continues to work on us, continues to reveal to us areas of our life where we have fallen short. And you do that so that we will then come back to you, not to run away from you and hide because we feel guilty, but that we, you do it to cause us to run back to you. To say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to grow. Lord, help me to be more like you. Help me to be more like the, the man, the woman, the student that, God, you want me to be. Not for my glory, but for your glory, Lord, that my life would reflect Christ to those around me. Before I close today, maybe there are some today here, you have you've never given your life to Christ. You've never, you've never done that. Jesus said that when we do that, He said that we are born again. And you're like, how can I be born again? How, how can I crawl back into my mom's womb? How can I can I, how can I do that again? And I would say if you were to read John chapter 3, that's what Nicodemus said to Jesus. He 
said, I, how can I, as, a, as an, an old man, how can I crawl back in my mom's tummy? And Jesus began to talk to him and said that he was talking to, about that spiritually to him. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Me should not perish but have eternal life. And that we can become brand new in Christ. He can forgive our sin. He can cause us to start all over like a brand new baby. A brand new baby Christian. So if you're here today, with every eye closed and head bowed, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, asked Him to forgive you of your sin and make you brand new. But you want to do that today. Would you just slip up a hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I'm going to ask you all to stand across this room, and I want to pray over you because... With no one lifting their hand, I assume that most of you in this room are Christians. And so I want to pray over you today a prayer that we would continue to grow. Father, I thank you again for going to the cross, for giving us the opportunity to have our sin forgiven, the opportunity to be new creations in Christ. Now, Lord, I pray that as we have, have read today from what Peter said and what Paul said, that, Lord, your word instructs us to continue growing, to mature, to grow up in our faith. And your word never indicates that while we're still living, that that's ever to stop. And so, Lord, I pray for those in this room, all of us, myself included, God, that you would help us to keep growing. God, help us to keep growing in your word, keep growing in, in our faith, keep growing in our praying, keep growing in our, our, our gathering together and connecting with one another and connecting with you. And God, help us to keep growing. Help us to keep growing, Lord. Lord, for those that, that maybe they have trouble understanding your word, your, your word says that the Holy Spirit gives understanding. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you give understanding as people were, read your word? That you'd give understanding maybe they've never had before. And finally, I pray that, God, you would help us to live out the faith, live out the word that you have given to us, the word that we have learned, Lord, help us to do. Help us to be doers of your word, not listeners or hearers only. So that we can reflect Christ to the world around us. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.